Catholics converge in Washington for the March for Life and in Tallahassee for some important meetings, but will the media run with it? There's a big event coming to the diocese February 1st that's out of this world, and we'll continue our sacrament series by exploring the Eucharist. All this and more coming up next. Welcome to A View from the Top with Bishop Gregory Parks, Bishop of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church, our community, and our country. Now, here's Bishop Parks and the General Manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. Greetings again, Bishop. Oh, it's always good to be with you, John. Did you have a good weekend and watch plenty of football? <laughs> I sure did. Probably like many of our listeners, uh, you know, playoffs is a great time to be a football fan and was able to watch both of the conference championships setting up this year's Super Bowl. So who do you like? Is it too early? Or well, I won't see you again for a couple of weeks, so what's your pick? Yeah, not sure I'm ready to make that pick today, John, but <laughs> well, I need to discern a little bit. Uh, it's going to be, a, I think, a very close game. I like the fact that we have two teams that, you know, particularly Kansas City that hasn't been in the Super Bowl, I think. Since 50, Gosh, for 50 I heard, years. I heard it was 50 years, right. yeah. So it's kind of good to have a fresh team in there. And boy, they've been playing great this year. It should be a very close game, hopefully a good game. Bishop, this uh, week uh, that we're recording is the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion throughout all nine months of pregnancy. And since that time, Catholics and those that are for life have been marching on Washington every year since that decision was made. And again, a large contingent from the diocese is going up there. What kind of effect is this going to have? You know, first of all, you know, it is a, an anniversary that we recognize every year, but unlike other anniversaries that we celebrate in our lives, like weddings and priesthood ordinations and things of that nature, uh, this is one we'd rather not have to celebrate. Right. Of course, as you said, in 1973, the Supreme Court, in their Roe versus Wade judgment, uh, legalized abortion here in our country. And there's been statistics over the years that have estimated that over 60 million babies, unborn children, uh, have been aborted during that time. And what a tragedy that is when you think about it, all those lives that never had a chance to be the, the person that God created them to be in the womb. So as you said, we uh, each year we mark this anniversary really by praying, but also by public witness. So this week, a group of our young people from our diocese, teenagers, young adults, as well as adults, will be traveling up to Washington, D.C. to take part in the March for Life. They'll join hundreds of thousands of others. You know, sometimes that's not reported by the media. It's, not, might, it's rarely reported. Or if it is, it's underreported, right. that it's a much smaller number. But it's a huge presence, and um, I think particularly inspiring to see our young people, our, our teenagers and young adults, giving public witness to this tragedy of abortion and calling for change here in our country. Talk about courageously living the Absolutely. gospel. That's how we do it, by giving that public witness and trying to change minds and hearts. Many of our faithful also went uh, last weekend to St. Augustine to uh, offer prayer and support for those that have chosen life. So that was a, a more local opportunity right. uh, here in the state of Florida, and we, we did have some uh, some of our faithful, some of our folks that did go up for that. Uh, we're also in the midst of a, a nine-day novena, you know, praying for an end to abortion and praying also for those that have experienced abortion in their lives, you know, the, the women as well as the men who have 
you know, who experience great negative effects after having made that decision. So I would encourage our listeners to check out the USCCB, the Bishops' Conference website, usccb.org. There's lots of resources and prayers and things that we can do to join in the effort, even if we aren't able to travel to Washington. The trauma of an abortion can impact women and men years after the fact, and our diocese has a ministry called Rachel's Vineyard that assists women to come to grips and to and bring great healing, another one of the great ministries that we have here in the diocese. Boy, it sure is a, a blessing to have that ministry for, for women that have been impacted. And I have to, to say as a priest and as a bishop, you know, that's one of the things I've heard in confession quite often is a woman at some point later in life or, or a man who participated in an abortion will confess that sin and their brokenness. And even though they receive forgiveness from God in the sacrament, they find it so hard to forgive themselves. And I can understand that. So, But we need to trust in God's mercy and uh, know that he wants us to be healed and to go forward in life to, to live the lives that he's called us to live. So if you'd like more information on this ministry for women and the retreats for men, as well as some of the other information on uh, pro-life activities, uh, visit dosp.org and click on the Life, Justice, and Advocacy Office. That's dosp.org. Bishop, you, you, you mentioned a moment ago the media doesn't touch on this. Do you, is this just a, a symbolic gesture on the media, or is it just the news cycle? I, I'm not sure why, uh, John, that the media doesn't cover this issue more. You know, when we see national polls, we've seen a trend towards a greater respect for life. I mean, goodness, there's a lot of work yet to be done and a lot of things that we can do and that can happen. But it seems like people's minds and hearts are beginning to change a bit on this. That's good news. I hate to say, but maybe the media doesn't want to cover good right. news, you know. We've also seen a, a decrease in the overall number of annual abortions that are performed, which is also a, a very good and positive trend. But I'm not sure why the media doesn't cover that. It's a very sensitive issue. And as we find ourselves in an election year, it can be kind of an explosive issue, you know, in conversations with people, polarizing issue. But I would say as Catholics, you know, we need to stand up for life and to do whatever we can do to promote and to protect human life at its most innocent and vulnerable stage in the womb. And one of those things we can do is to vote for candidates that are pro-life and that want to bring about the change that we need to happen here in our country. I know it's sometimes hard to get the ear of our elected officials on a on a one-to-one basis or even as a small group. And I know uh, there's a contingent that's going to Tallahassee here in a week or so that uh, we'll be talking with our state legislators. Will, will you be going up on that trip as well? I will. I'm planning to head up to Tallahassee uh, along with uh, all the other bishops here in the state of Florida. Each year we, we go up to support the Catholic Days at the Capitol and the hundreds uh, of faithful from around the state of Florida that converge on Tallahassee for those days to advocate for our beliefs and and on issues that affect us and the things that we consider to be important. And then, of course, we do celebrate the annual Red Mass each year at the Co-Cathedral, which is a Mass in which we invoke prayer and blessing upon our governor and upon our elected officials and upon our state Supreme Court justices. Now, I know that the legislators, when you meet with them and the governor and you talk about the things that the Florida Catholic Conference, of which you're a member of, you advocate for, but do they really listen and take it to heart? I mean, do we really see change? 
We, we do on occasion. You know, there's different issues that always seem to come up with the bishops, particularly when we meet with the governor and things to do with Catholic education and, you know, the different grant scholarship kind of programs that are available to those who need them here in our state. Those are so very, very important things like Step Up for Students and the McKay scholarships. So those are things we always talk about. Of course, life issues, and particularly here in Florida, the issue of capital punishment and death row, you know, and uh, trying to advocate uh, against that, you know, that there's a different way to approach these situations other than killing those that have committed no doubt atrocious and horrific crimes against other people. And But as our Lord tells us, we're, we're called to take a different path and to protect society through imprisonment, you know, rather than um, by putting somebody to death. You mentioned a moment ago the step up for students, some of the scholarship opportunities, and traditionally the Diocese of St. Petersburg every year has had a big banquet. It's put on by the Catholic Foundation here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg, and it's often for helping children that are looking for a great education to supplement those costs. This year's uh, event is February 1st at the Hilton Tampa downtown, and uh, it's going to be another big event. But the fundraising is going a step further. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. We're, um, as you said, over the years, the primary benefactor from the funds that are raised at the gala each year have gone for tuition assistance. And that will continue to be the case where we're going to continue to support our Catholic schools and families that need some assistance with providing a good quality Catholic education to their children by giving them scholarships and assistance as we're able to do that. But we want to try to expand the, uh, the Foundation Gala as well. You know, as our listeners know, we are embarking or have been embarked on a vision, Courageously Living the Gospel. And we want to try to use uh, some of the funds uh, that are raised through the Foundation for the initiatives of Courageously Living the Gospel as well. So, for example, we're, you know, trying to establish some affordable housing uh, here in our local communities all throughout our diocese. So that that's one of the initiatives that we're focusing on. We're looking to enhance youth ministry here in our diocese. Uh, so that may be something else that we're, we're going to focus on as well. So there's different things. We want to we uh, grow and, and broaden the benefit from the Foundation Gala. Usually that gala brings in uh, near or in excess of a half a million dollars. But I know as you're talking about housing and some of the youth ministry programs, those programs, uh, especially the housing, is it runs into the millions. Frankly, we need everyone's support on this. To get tickets uh, and to find out more, you can go to catholicfoundation.org to find out. And, and Bishop, the guest speaker this year, I, I led with He's Out of This World, uh, four-time space shuttle astronaut Thomas Jones. I've never met an astronaut of you. <laughs> I think I actually did meet one uh, right. at one time uh, in Tampa. I went to a lunch gathering, and there was one of the um, the space shuttle astronauts was there as well. Uh, but yeah, you know Thomas Jones. Uh, blessed to have him as our speaker this year, not only to share his experiences of going into space and being part of the space shuttle program, but also to share and reflect upon his faith. He's a Catholic and to my knowledge, is is one of the only Catholics that's ever received the Eucharist uh, while up in space. So it will be interesting to hear his witness and to hear his story, which I'm sure will be inspirational to all those who, who are there. Should be a big crowd. And one of the things in the silent auction, I think, or might be a live auction, I'm not sure, is an opportunity to go to the Kennedy Space Center and tour the facility with Dr. Jones 
uh, to see the stuff on the back end that most people don't normally get to see. What an incredible opportunity. Oh, that, that would be amazing to, you know, you, you can go to the Space Center, but you don't get as close ever as you really would like to be, or as you said, see the behind the scenes things that the tours don't usually cover. So that would be a great item to bid on. And I hope whoever gets that really enjoys that unique opportunity. So if you want to find out more about the Catholic Foundation, including making a legacy gift, you can do that as well. And I'd be remiss if I didn't think uh, Dex Imaging as the presenting sponsor and BayCare Health System for their support of this great night. Yeah, we always, we we love our sponsors. We depend on them and, uh, of course, thank them for their support. I want to turn our attention now to our sacraments angle and and today and probably for another show or two because we're not going to have time to cover it all is the sacrament of the eucharist the source and summit of our catholic faith why is it called that particular phrase source and summit of our faith that's a great question and and that's a a phrase that you hear often source and summit Uh, the reason is that in the eucharist the the celebration of the mass we celebrate the very sacrifice that our lord made Uh, for us, by which our sins are forgiven. And, um, you know, by which we receive the grace that God wants us to have in our lives. So it's, uh, it's essential. It's really the most important element of our sacramental life is celebrating the Eucharist and receiving the very body and blood of our Lord. Uh, who gave himself and gave his life that we might have life, everlasting life. So, Bishop, this is kind of a difficult concept for many, including me. Maybe you could take me through this. So in John's Gospel, we hear the story of the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus says, take, eat, take the cup, drink. Uh, And and we also know that Jesus, uh, earlier in John, he's referred to by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God. How does all this tie together as a sacrifice? Sure. What you're referring to in John's Gospel is commonly called the Bread of Life Discourse. And Jesus says over and over again, I am the bread of life. And then, of course, in the Eucharist, in the Mass, we, we say, behold the Lamb of God, right? Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. In the Jewish faith and tradition, in their worship, animals, and in many cases, a lamb was sacrificed on particular feasts as a way of asking for expiation from sin and or offering thanksgiving to God as well. So that was the old covenant, but uh, Jesus Christ is the new covenant. And so that's why he's often referred to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world because through his life, through his death, and ultimately through his resurrection, uh, we have been redeemed and we have life, uh, the life that God wants us to have. Uh, The word Eucharist itself means thanksgiving. Right? So when we use that word, it's uh, really what should be in our hearts and in our souls when we think about what our Lord has done for us. When we come to Mass each weekend to celebrate the Eucharist, to give that thanksgiving, uh, we're, we're giving thanks for is the sacrifice of the Lord, which is made present on the altar. You know, some, sometimes those who are not Catholic think, well, you know, are Catholics just crucifying Jesus over and over and over again? <laughs> no, we're, we're not doing that. But in a very real sense, that sacrifice that was once and for all is being made present on the altar through the consecration, the offering of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And through his body and blood made present to us, again, we have the forgiveness of our sins and we receive the life uh, that God has called us to live. When a Catholic or, or maybe someone that's just now coming into the church, when they go to a Mass for the first time, I believe there are 
is it three different parts of the service or is it just two? There's the liturgy of the word and there's the liturgy of the Eucharist. Sure, the, the Mass is broken up into several different parts, but the, the main distinction are, are two, which is the Liturgy of the Word, as you said, and then the Liturgy of the Eucharist. But within those different basic parts of the Mass, there's different rites. Um, okay. You know, the introduction, the penitential rite, and, and so forth, the communion rite. But the, the basic distinction is between the Word and the Eucharist. When we start the Eucharistic prayer, the gifts come forward. And it's usually the offertory, but there's also a couple of people from the parish will come up with gifts of bread and wine. That's symbolic. How so? Sure. So as you said, members of the congregation, either individuals or a family or couple, will come forward with usually a little pitcher of wine and usually some hosts or bread that will be used will be consecrated by the priest or the bishop during that celebration. And those offerings uh, are symbolic. First of all, the bread and wine are, are things that we use in our everyday lives, are things that are common to us, that are known to us, that provide nourishment to us in, in our lives. The fact that they come from the congregation, it's an offering which is made to God. So these gifts which come forward are then placed on the altar, and um, uh, they will become the body and the blood of Christ. No longer wine and bread, but the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. We still look at it and taste it and say, you know, it looks like wine, smells like wine, <laughs> tastes like wine. But the, the essence, the substance of what it is has changed, and it is the blood of Christ the same with the bread. It looks like bread, kind of, not <laughs> the type of bread we use every day in our daily lives, but uh, can even smell like bread or taste like bread. Uh, but it has become the actual body of our Lord Jesus Christ that we then receive. When people come up uh, after they do that, the altar has got to be set up a certain way. Why is that? A lot of that, uh, John, has to do with tradition, the way it's set. But the altar, which itself represents Jesus Christ, his body, is play, the items are placed on the altar, and that's the altar of sacrifice where the Eucharist is celebrated. Where the things are placed uh, is kind of more a matter of preference okay, uh, by the, by the, uh, of the priest or the, you know, the church, the particular parish, how they do things, okay. where they place the cups and the saboria or the, the bowls that, that hold the hosts. Those can be placed at different pl- uh, parts of the altar. A lot of it has to do with just making sure you don't knock anything okay. over and more practical keep it yeah practical sure. reasons. But they are placed upon the altar, which is the altar of sacrifice, which is the body of Christ itself. Okay. And that's just the general, you, you've got to have a crucifix and you've got to have candles? Usually you have candles either on the altar or off to the side, as we see in many of our parishes. Typically, the altar would have an altar cloth on it, uh, which would drape the altar or at least cover the top of it. And then there's additional linens, which are used during the offertory and then during the consecration. Uh, something called the corporal, which is placed right in front of the priest at the altar and on which the the bread to be consecrated is placed and the chalice with the wine uh, are placed on the corporal itself. And that's uh, then taken up after the consecration uh, just in case any particles of the host or any bit of the precious blood may have dropped there. And there's a reason that that is there. Um, you, you wouldn't shake it off onto the floor. You know well, it wouldn't about. be treating the Eucharist with the dignity and with the respect that it deserves. And so usually the the corporal would be uh, taken back to the sacristy. And if it needs to be laundered, there's a particular way that it's washed 
uh, recognizing that there may be some of the precious body or blood of our Lord on there, and then a, a fresh one is used at the next Mass. Right. I appreciate your time with this because uh, we have many Catholics that either have forgotten or, or don't understand, and many non-Catholics that listen to this that wonder, why do Catholics do what they do with the services? So I want to talk more a little bit about, about that as we progress through this series. I know that you're going to Rome, ad limina visit coming up. Are you ready? I'm getting ready, John, uh, trying to mentally prepare myself and spiritually prepare. I've been following the other groups of bishops from around the United States that have already gone there and are presently in Rome uh, visiting with our Holy Father and with the different departments at the Vatican. As I mentioned, one of our previous broadcasts, our region, so the Carolinas, Georgia, and Florida, we're, I think, the second to last group to go. One of the big things that the Pope has mentioned was to put out in the deep to do a better job of evangelization. And we're doing that right here in this diocese. I mean, isn't that so much in line with our courageously living the gospel? You remember the the pie, John? Oh, yes. Proclaim, invite, invite and encounter. encounter. You get an A, John, for, <laughs> for remembering that. You know what? When, when he came out with that and then I saw what you had, what your team had put together with our vision, I'm like, now he's going to go over there. He's going to like, I've already done my homework. It's done. <laughs> I think I'm going to, you know, we probably will have a chance to make some individual comments to the Holy Father. And, of course, I'm praying about and discerning what I want to share with him about our diocese. But I think there's a lot of good news, and I'd like to, to share some of that, including our vision uh, with him, how we're trying to, to live the good news and to spread the good news of Jesus Christ here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg. Well, hopefully he'll say the same words that you just said to me. Bishop Parks, you get an A. <laughs> <laughs> that would be wonderful, John. <laughs> Can we close with your blessing? Of course. God, our Father, we, as always, praise you, and we thank you for this day, for our lives, for the many gifts and blessings that you bestow upon us. Continue to lead us and guide us in our lives that, that we may grow in our love for you and in our relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to courageously live the gospel in our lives. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual Pastoral Appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.